the blood that Jesus shed for me. Gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. It's My doubts and calms, all my fears, and it wipes away all my tears, the blood that gives me strength. From day to day, it will never lose its power, for it reaches to the highest mountain. Mountain and it flows to the lowest valley, valley, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never. Lose its power for it reaches, for it reaches to the highest mountain, mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. That gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And, may me, and try me now in this, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you.
Welcome our KKVV listeners as they are partaking, as you are partaking of our worship service here at the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church located at 1720 North J Street, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89106. I also want to take the opportunity to welcome you to our concert uh, that we're having this afternoon at 5 p.m. at the Cashman Center, located at 850-850 North Las Vegas Boulevard, Nevada, 89101. That's 850, the Cashman Center, 850 North Las Vegas Boulevard, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89101. It's going to be a thrill. We're having our Revelation Today seminars, as you have seen on the billboards, um, and with Pastor John Bradshaw. And we are having a fantastic time there. Some of you have been visiting us, and you have been enjoying the program there, uh, listening to the sermons, and we hope to see you this afternoon at 5 p.m. And also at 7 p.m. as he deals with another thrilling subject from the Bible. So we hope to see you there at 5 this afternoon. Today, as you're listening in and watching online at www.abundantlifelv.org, it's always a thrill to have you watching live at this time. And so we have a very special guest today, guest speaker, and uh, his name is Pastor Kingsley Palmer. Uh, Pastor Palmer pastors the Sparks uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, he is happily married to one wife. And that's always a good thing, amen? And he's, he has children of which he can tell you some more. But we are extremely glad to have him and privileged because he's also our regional coordinator for this region. And so we are thrilled to have him. Uh, do lift him up in prayer as he brings us a spirit-filled biblical message from the Word of God. Before he comes uh, to us, to minister to us, we will hear from our children's choir, which is made up of a number of students from the Abundant Life uh, Christian Academy, located here at the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. And so at this time, uh, after which, after you have heard from the children's choir, you will hear from our speaker, Pastor Kingsley Palmer, hear ye him. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. 
serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter to his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. I knew I came here the right week. You see, when I don't know what the age group is for joining the choir. I don't know if you do it by age or by size. I felt mighty comfortable with them. The Bible says, out of the, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained praise. We want to say thank you and say amen again to our youth, our children's choir. Amen. It's always good to be here, and particularly among people that you can still rub shoulders with, amen. if you know what I'm talking about. Good afternoon. Amen. Happy Sabbath. Amen. Are you okay? Amen. Is God good? Amen. Wonderful. Great, caring, powerful, sensitive, meeting every need. Oh, you got quiet on me. Maybe this is not the day that the Lord has made. Well, I bring you greetings from my church at Sparks. You love this church as well, your sister church up there in Reno. And we have weather similar to yours. Praise God. So if you're a skier, you're in trouble. I also bring you greetings from the other churches in Salt Lake and the ones, your neighboring churches. In fact, I was supposed to be, and I've got to go over to um, Three Angels at this, as soon as I'm finished here. So if I'm not at the front, understand, they're waiting for me. But 
Pastor Russell squeezed in my arm and said, you've got to stop by here. So, and I love coming to Abundant Life. You all know that. So I'm going to bring you greetings on behalf of my lovely wife, Nafamo. Many of you don't know, but my wife works for the British Embassy. And as such, she does a lot of traveling. She's an amazing woman, and some of you have met her. Anyone who could be married to me as long as she has has got something going for her. She brings her greetings to you. She just got back from an overseas trip. And I also want to thank Abundant Life and the other churches for the support of the Revelation Now. Last night I was there and Pastor um, Bradshaw preached, and I was very pleased to see how the churches are coming together. God is going to bless us mightily through this program. And I also want to say special thanks to Pastor Russell and to Pastor Holiday and the other leaders for holding the fort together. Amen. We are working on finding you somebody that the Lord of the Lord's choosing to come and be your pastor. So pray for us, pray for Elder Underseer, and we just ask that you continue to keep doing what you are doing. Amen. Jesus is coming soon and time is very, very short. Without any further ado, I invite you to pray with me. Let us bow our heads at this time. Oh, Father God in heaven, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you are the God that understood that when we fail, you have something better for us. And so this morning, as we look at the topic and this subject, I ask, Father, that you will hide me behind the cross, take anything out of me that would stop me from being used of you this morning. Take anything out of us that would stop us from hearing and receiving your word. Because we want to lift up the name of Jesus. Because he said, if I be lifted up, he will, that's Jesus, draw all men unto him. Bless us now and bless your word. In his precious name we pray. Let the church say, Amen. If you have your Bibles, please go to the book of Hebrews chapter, um, Hebrews chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 6. And I want to thank Elder Holiday for reading that particular scripture. And I want to focus in on verse 6. And then I want to ask you to do something for me. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. When you have it, say amen. amen. Okay. Let's go to verse 3. For every high priest, the word says, is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one, that's Jesus, also has something to offer. How many of you know that Jesus has got something to offer? Amen. Can I see the hands? Okay, if you didn't put your hand up, you, you're, in the wrong, you're in the right place. But you need to know, tell the person next to you, Jesus has something to offer. That's why I'm here. No, I didn't hear that part. Huh? That's why I'm here. Tell the person, that's why you're here. Because Jesus has got something better to offer. We go back to the text. Yes, you can talk in church when I ask you. That's not a problem with me. Verse 4. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. Verse 5. Who serve the, the copy and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But here's verse 6. This one gets me excited. But now he, that is Jesus, has obtained a lesser ministry. Huh? Are you sure? Okay, let me read that again. But now he, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch that he is also mediator of a poorer covenant. Who says better? Better covenant, which was established on mediocre promises. Better promises. I want you to repeat after me, good, better, best. Never let it rest. Till your good becomes better and your better best. Again, good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good becomes better 
And your better becomes best. Does that sound like something good? Wow, I, was, I had the privilege of attending, while I was at Oakwood, I had the opportunity and the privilege to sit under Dr. Cleveland. You remember, Troy, how those days were. And this was, phrase was the first time I ever heard it. It was such a profound statement. Sometimes you hear things and they hit you like that. You know, they catch your attention. I was determined that upon hearing Elder Cleveland articulate this particular powerful statement, I was resolved that this was going to be the mantra for my life and my ministry. You see, when you attend the Mount Sinai of academic excellence, namely Oakwood, amen. that was a weak amen. amen. Mostly good preachers in this place have come from Oakwood. Okay, with all due respect to the other schools. I heard those immortal words. And like the children of Israel, I began to feel that if I've kept up with this thing, I, I could be like them. I could pass the bondage of, the, of a previous time. I could cross the Red Sea. I could still hear those words as I would trans move and, and go around in my ministry, in my life. Good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good becomes better and your better becomes best. They were ringing in my ears. I was just like the folk at the bottom of Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 through 8. Getting ready to tell God that for 2011, it's gone. For 2012, my good, better, best was going to be my mantra. Everything that he said I was go he wanted me to do, I was ready to do it. How many of you are ready to do what Jesus tells you to do? I was resolved that I wasn't going back to the Egyptian living of 2011. I don't need to elaborate on that. You know exactly what I'm referring to. That was a past I was not going to repeat. You see, God's agreement was that he was going to get me through the wilderness in the next 52 weeks. How many did God take through the wilderness of 2011, all 52 weeks? Is there anyone out there? One, two, three, four. Okay, I don't, know what you, I don't know how you all got here. I know that I got here because God took me through the 52 weeks. He was going to get me through the wilderness in a few weeks. And here he's telling Israel in Exodus 19, 5 through 8, I like the idea of being born on eagle's wings. How many of you get tired sometimes? I like the notion of being called a special treasure. Tell the person next to you you're a special treasure. Have mercy. We, uh, what happened to what's going on? I like the idea of being referred to or being part of a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Well, I figured, like anybody else who was listening to Moses that day, well, God, if you're going to do all of this for me in 2012, just tell me where I need to sign on the dotted line of the agreement. Now that sounds like a very good deal, don't you think? Yes. Just think of it. The promised land of milk and honey. The promised land of prosperity and growth. The promised land of peace and freedom. No more tests. No more trials. No more sweat. No more tears. Just as long as the Lord was going to get me there according to the agreement that he made. After all, I went through 2011 and I know that 2012 has got to be better. Yet history records that many in that group of Israel then, as now, sitting in this church, had the right idea about getting to the promised land, but the wrong motives. Say, hmm. I didn't hear you. Hmm. In their human weaknesses... Well, they didn't understand that in order to get to the promised land, it cannot be about you. It has got to be about God. In their human weaknesses, Israel's best fell far below God's better. You see, God made an old covenant agreement with his people. He promised to bless them if in return they would agree to be obedient. You see, God's promises are good. How many of you know that? How good are they? Excellent. However, 
Our promises are like ropes of sand. You see, Israel did not take into consideration their weaknesses or their inability to deliver on what they promised. Did I mess up last year? Yes, I did. Did I mess up this morning? Yes, I did. You need to be saying, yes, I did. Confession is good for the soul. Huh? Hello? Yes. They did not consider that they were weak. I am weak, but thou art strong. You know the psalm. Israel believed in a do-it-yourself religion. Their theme song was, I did it my way. Amen. Some of us have been singing that for a very long time, and God cannot get a look in. Yes. A journey that should have taken weeks took 40 years. Going around the same place. John Maxwell used to say, if I always do what I always did, I'll always get what I always got. And only of approximately 1.3 or 2 million people, only two persons made it. That's not a very good statistic. I want you to know that when God made that agreement in Exodus 24, verses 4 through 7, God wrote, had Moses write that agreement in what is called the Book of the Covenant. I don't have time to go through it, but I just want to let you know the Book of the Covenant was read in the hearing, and it was not the one and the same of the Ten Commandments. Some people believe, oh, everything's been nailed to the cross. You see, have you ever heard the term written in stone? When you write something in stone and you write something on paper, which is going to last? Stone. How many of you say the stone? Okay. God wrote the Ten Commandments with his finger, right? On stone. So it's written in stone. That means you better pay attention to it, whether it's 2011, 1911, whatever age or time, he wants, he, he, he's, he's sending a permanent message. Moses, on the other hand, wrote everything in a book. Is that book still around? Anyone found the book? Still in the side of the ark somewhere? Has anyone seen the book? Uh-uh. But the stone is still there. See, the book of the covenant contained the ceremonial laws, ordinances, festivals, feast days, laws that governed the daily life of the priest in the administration of the temple and the earthly sanctuary and pointed to Christ. Everything they did pointed to Christ. The Book of the Covenant dealt with the civil and human rights, the duties of how people should behave every day. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 26, tells us that a book, the book was placed in the side of the Ark of the Covenant while God's Ten Commandments law was placed in the Ark itself. You know, we need to get the, we need to get the commandments of God in the right place in our lives. Not in some side compartment. It needs to be center around everything that we say or we do and we believe. Can I hear an amen? amen? Yes. History records that after this agreement was reached, the thing that Moses wrote in the book, then God gave the Ten Commandments. And let me suggest to those of you who say that the law has been done away with, Psalms 19 verse 7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect doing what? Converting the soul. You see, when something is perfect, it doesn't need to be changed. Does that make sense? When I first came to America, I heard this term, you don't fix what ain't broke. Now, I can't say it like you all. I'm still, whatever, working on it. But I got the message. Jesus said in Luke 16, 17, it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than one gentle jot or tittle of the law, referring to the Ten Commandments, to pass away. In other words, this Ten Commandments is a permanent document whether you like it or not. The weakness of the old agreement was that it was based, that was the thing written in the book, on a do and live principle. Some of us feel because we've been a long time in the way, and you can define that any way you choose. <laughs> Let me use a little British grammar here. Some of us have been in the way of the Lord, and some have just been in the way, period. 
do and live. We have the publican and the Pharisee type religion. It's compare and contrast with me. So what if I'm not a vegetarian? Salvation doesn't come by diet. It comes through a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And if he's in your heart, he's going to fix everything that needs to be fixed. God says, I call you to be fishers of men. I told you to catch men, but I didn't tell you to clean the fish. You see, the people had to do and live. I'm judged by what I do. The Bible tells us in Romans 3, verse 20, that by the deeds of the law shall no flesh or any amount of human activity, and I'm not saying go out and do wrong, but please do not think you can score brownie points for our righteousness is as filthy rags. God set the record straight in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, because we like to brag. Mm-hmm. Strut our stuff. Bible tells us, Plainly, for by grace uh, you have been saved through faith and it had nothing to do with you. Oh, you're hurting my ego. Well, go ahead. Let me continue. It is a gift of God and not of works, lest any man or woman, boy and girl, should begin to brag. If you want to brag about something, brag about what Jesus has done for you. Huh? Brag about where he brought you from and what he's brought you to. And whatever he brings you to, he will bring you through. God knew that we as human beings would fail beforehand. This is the reason why he entered into an agreement knowing man would fail to remind us that we are utterly helpless without God. But I thank God this morning that when our good, better, best fell far below his test, when our most sincere motives, when our most notable intentions, when our Best yet feeble efforts were not enough. When we've had more failures than success, more stops than starts, more reverses than moving forward, are you with me this morning? Did you go through that last year? Did you go through that for the first 26 days of this month? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Huh? How many of you feel like Paul when he declared in Romans 7, 18 and 24, For I know, Lord, that is within my flesh nothing good can be found. Oh, wretched man, woman, boy and girl that I am, who will deliver me from the failures? Sometimes we get so overcome by our own weaknesses that had it not been for verse 25. I thank you, Paul said. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with my mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. God does not give up on us. But I have a question to ask Paul. How can you be thankful while you're going through this trial? What makes you still laugh and have joy in the midst of pain? I guess Paul would answer it this way. Uh, Romans 5 verse 8, for God demonstrated his love towards Kingsley in that while he was messing up as a sinner, acting the fool and being stupid, Christ went ahead and died for me anyway. Praise God. Paul says that when I messed up the old agreement and I could not keep it, when I was still without strength, Romans 5 verse 6, in due time Christ came and died for the ungodly. When my good, better, best, never let it rest, fail. Paul says, whereas the Ten Commandments, which was written with the finger of God at Mount Sinai, I fell under its condemnation. Now I see Jesus coming towards me from the Mount of Calvary. But this time, he's got another document in his hands. Hmm. Say whom? He's got another document in his hands. It looks like a new agreement, a new contract. It has a white cover with the words written in red. The title of it is called Something Better. Then I watched Jesus open the document, this new agreement, to the book of Hebrews. What book did I say? Hebrews. See, God always has something better. You want to know what that, be that better is? 
as Jesus opens the book and begins to take me through this particular book of Hebrews. And I looked in the fine print of the chapters, I discovered God has something better. Hello? In Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 4, it says that we have a better revelation. That's Jesus. The best person to tell you what's going on anytime, in any way, in any situation, is Jesus. Some of us need to put down the ebony and the jet and all the other things that we look at. Jesus is the best revelation you could ever get, a revelation of good, a revelation of hope. Hebrews 7 verse 19 says, we have a better hope. Who is our hope? Not Barack Obama, not any, pres not any presidential candidate. It's not your money, it's not your title, it's not your position. We have a better hope in Jesus. I have never known God to, to do anything that lacks top-notch quality. Are you with me? Amen. Hebrews 7 verse 22. We have a better agreement with Jesus. One thing you can depend, one thing you can be sure of. Anything that you enter into with God, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed and it is perfect. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. You're looking, mm hmm. Or maybe you went into an agreement with somebody else. You will never have Jesus foreclose on your salvation. Woo! He will never leave you homeless. He will never leave you helpless. He will never leave you jobless. A better covenant. Hebrews 7 verse 26. We have a better priesthood. Huh? Thank God I don't have to depend on any human being for my salvation. I don't care if he's in the Vatican. I don't care where you find him. No one does it better than Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6 which we read, a better promise. When God promises, he delivers. And if he doesn't deliver, it's because he never promised for you to have it in the first place. So learn to wait. If he says yes or no or wait, just chill. I have lived long enough, 50 plus years. I know you didn't think I was that old. God has blessed me. I'm in my 50s. I love it. I would not do the 40s ever again. And they tell me that 60 is the new 40. So you know what that makes me, right? Can I have a wave from the 50, folks that are 50? Mm -hmm. Enjoy it. It's good. Bible tells us. Hebrews 9, verse 23. These young folk don't know what we're talking about. They, they have no clue. Hebrews 9, verse 23 says, we have a better sacrifice than Jesus. We don't no longer have to carry a lamb. We got the best that God had to offer, his only begotten son. Hebrews 10, verse 34 says, we have a better possession. I just heard the children singing, 12 gates to the city. Not the Jerusalem of the Middle East that evangelicals and some of these other crazy people and the American foreign policy is talking about. That piece of land there. I'm talking about the new Jerusalem. The 12 gates to the city, Jerusalem. The walls that are built of a pearl. Streets that, are, that you can walk on of gold. You don't have to worry about investing anything. He's got it all done for you. A better possession. And even if God didn't have anything promised to us, just having Jesus in our life would have been more than enough. Yeah. Hebrews eleven sixteen says, we have a better country in Jesus. Only God, America would turn back to God. If only God's people who say, in God we trust, would do so. Things would be better. But you see, we're not looking for this place. We're looking for a builder. We're looking for a land, a city made by God's hands. God says there's a better country awaiting for those who know Jesus. And if that was not enough, Hebrews 11.35 says we have a better resurrection. How many of you woke up by yourself this morning? How many of you know that last night someone tried to take your life? 
How many of you know that you have been in situations that had it not been for the good and the grace and the mercy of God, you would have been dead in your sins with no promise of eternal life, no resurrection. So every time your heart beats and you wake up, God did something for you. A better resurrection. Imagine what it's going to be like on that day. Five foot four is going to be 16 foot six. Hello? Come on, let's get real here. We need to imagine these things because, not just imagine them, because they're going to happen. The Bible says, we shall behold him. We shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We shall see him as he is. Ain't no one better looking than Jesus. Then Jesus takes me back to Hebrews 6, verse 9, where it reads, But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. We know what the text is saying. You are meant for better things. Saints, I've come to remind some and tell others when it comes to the best of your eternal salvation, no one does it better than Jesus. You see, Jesus' is good, better, best is always better than the rest because God is always getting better and his better keeps exceeding his best. Sometimes I get blessed so much, I tell the Lord, if you need to stop, you need to back this thing up. How many of you have been there? He is so good. You're speechless. And if you can get this guy to shut up, you know God is doing something. Huh? Yes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus has something better for abundant life. Tell the person next to you, see, he's just got something better for you. Just hang in there. You'll get it. Come on. Witness. Jesus has got something better for you. Just hang in there. Hello. You see, he's not only the sacrifice, he's also the savior. He's not just the penalty, he also paid the price. He's not only the mediator, he is also the agreement. He's not only our redeemer, he's the ransom. Not only the promise, but the guarantee. Not only the sin bearer, but he became the sin. Jesus, the one who became our filthy decomposing rags, is the one who is now my righteousness. As I close, I want to share, with a, share a story with you. For Sister Dabney, this one's for you. One day a pastor got a phone call from a member who had heard some bad news. She was going to die. And so she invites the pastor to her house. And she tells him, when her time comes, you may have heard this story before, what dress she wanted to wear. She wanted to have her favorite Bible in her hand. She planned the program in such detail. And she, when the pastor got finished with that visit, and as he's walking towards the door, he's prayed with her, he said, oh, pastor, I forgot one more thing. What's that? I want you to bury me with the Bible in one hand but a fork in the other. Why a fork? She said that when she was a little girl and was growing up and she would have meals, her grandmother would tell her, hold on to your fork. I'm going somewhere with this. Hold on to your fork. And I always did that because of all the meals that I've had at the church, the potlucks, whenever I heard they said, hold on to your fork, that meant something better was coming. And so the day of the funeral came. She's lying out in the casket, Bible in one hand, fork in another. And as the folks are marching and they're taking a look, you know how we do. <laughs> What's the deal with the fork? Huh? Bible, I can under fork. You see, 
this sister had it together. She was expecting something better because Sister Damney in my Bible tells me, for the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. God's bringing a band back. Huh? It will not be quiet, complacent. I can hardly get the words out of my mouth, worship. We're going to party in Jesus when he comes. He shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the trump of God and the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are a remain and alive shall be caught up in the air. We're going to be transformed. We're going to be changed. That is something worth dying for, living for, so that when Jesus comes, it actually happens. God's got something better than us. He don't, we are going to live in a land where we won't have to drink bottled water because the water will be coming from the river of life. Something better. So I just stopped by to tell you this morning that we got a better promise, a more excellent ministry. We have a mediator who is also our high priest. We have a savior who doesn't just look down, he gets down. They say sympathy looks down, but empathy gets down and touches. That's that's what I love about Jesus. He is God enough to do anything, but he's human enough to understand. And the days of him crying in front of a tomb are going to be over because he's got something better. How many of you believe that this morning? Let us pray. Father God in heaven, what a wonderful promise we have that in the midst of all the life and the pressures and the pain that we have to experience, you knew our weaknesses and you had something in place before the foundation of the world. And I hope I got the message out this morning that for abundant life, for those, whether you are members of this church or not, you came in discouraged, you came in hopeless, you will leave with this, un- with this in mind that God has already got your situation, sold you out for 2012. If he can take you through 2011, he can be with you and he will stay with you. He's not the God of I was, I might be, I can be. He is the I am, I am at all times, no matter what's going on. We came to praise you this morning and I pray, Father, that this message will encourage us. Bless this church, bless the school, bless the ministry that's going on at the Cashman Center. Lord, there's something better for everyone that attends. I pray, Lord, that we will all support it. Because who knows, the soul that is saved might be our own. And so, Lord, as we bring this service to a close, I ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will continue to guide, protect, sustain, and strengthen this church. Everybody that came in, whether they were members or not, let them understand and let them leave here knowing that you promised, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. We thank you for this promise. We thank you for this hope. Help us to hold on to it no matter what. Because very, very soon, our Lord will come and he will not tarry. And we want to look into his face and say, Lord, This is our God. We have waited for him. He's got something better for us. That's why he's coming back to save us and redeem us. We ask all these things and we thank you and give you the honor and the glory and the praise for that something better in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. Uh, We never close a service here at Abundant Life without giving someone the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Pastor Palmer preached his heart out today, amen? And I'm wondering if you're here today and you have not made that decision for Jesus and you would like to have something better. We have some Bible workers here and we want to slip just a piece of paper in your hand so you can write down your name And we will get you some Bible studies to guide you along the way on the path.
to something better. Just raise your hand wherever you are today. If you'd like to get a slip of paper here to study more, get some Bible studies, just raise your hand. I can see you where, from here. So raise your hand right now. I'll have the Bible workers come on swiftly down and hand you one of these slips of paper. Is, is, is that person here today? Is there someone here today? All right. Thank you. This time we will stand for our benediction. Let us bow. Father and our God, we thank you for being so good to us. We thank you, O oh Father, for your son Jesus who has given himself to us and there is nothing better than the gift of salvation. We thank you for this better high priest. We thank you for the better resurrection. And we thank you, O oh God, for eternal life. Now, Lord, as we disperse, as we leave one from the other, may your Holy Spirit go with us, O oh God, in recommitment, in our confirmation of our lives to you. May we continue to walk in the newness of life. Bless us to this end, we ask, in the matchless and powerful name of Jesus, let God's people say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated for a moment of meditation. Mm -hmm.